Hey, we're back. Practical Wellness Radio is rolling, and today on the pod, Cody and myself sit down with friend of the show, Dave Haggerty. Um, if you listen to the show regularly, Dave had been on our show uh, before, so we thought we'd have him back. He's always a great talk. He's always a great listen. Um, Dave's currently a doctor of physical therapy and a strength coach, and I think he does some really great things. We talk about in the show how he balances you know, working with intermediate to advanced athletes, performance level athletes, along with, you know, kind of the general population or, or maybe somebody who's never really strength trained before and the differences between that and, um, and what he does to kind of hold people accountable in those settings. Also, I'm not sure if we mentioned on the show, but you should check out, um, you should check out Dave's Instagram. He's kind of killing it on the, uh, the old Insta G and uh, his handle on Instagram is Dave.strengthandkindness, all spelled out. Dave.strengthandkindness. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy the show. All right. The first ever, second time guest on Practical Wellness Radio, Dave Haggerty. Dave, how does the honor feel to uh, to have joined Cody and I here twice on Practical S- Wellness Radio? Super good, super prestigious. I'm it is. I'm, I'm amazed. I, I thought you'd have somebody else on for a second time before <clears throat> me. No, it's you, man. Cody's gonna make a plaque. I think if we get to five, maybe he'll get you a plaque. I'll that's just take idea. your. Uh, I'll take Cody's belt squat instead. Don't make yeah, a plaque. Wow, that's right. quite the prize. Let's bring that over. Quite the belt prize. Squat is, like I, I need to. I jump on it every time I go to Iowa City. Like that's just part of like my checklist. Like I come to say hi to Cody while I belt squat. But uh, yeah, that's really what Cody's Cody's good for. It's the best. So, so Dave and I were on here first, and. Um, Cody ju- jumped in just a few minutes before we started recording, and I forgot to bring it up, but I wanted to say to Cody, I wanted to say to Dave, I was like, Dave, what kind of money we're going to put on that Cody's wearing some sort of uh, tie-dyed t-shirt before he jumps on, and I didn't get time to say it, Cody jumped in, and he is in fact wearing some type of tie-dyed shirt. It's your weekend shirt, right? We're recording this on a Saturday. Cody is a, a It's like I don't have anywhere to go, like, it's, I don't plan on going anywhere, it's like... I'm in for the day. I've already worked out or won't be working out particularly that day. You know, it's just my chill. Just my chill vibe. Is it tie-dye or is it like flannel? I mean, not flannel, uh, camo. I don't know. Camo. Yeah. It's like almost like cloudy. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? It it, it hinges kind of on either side of that. I'm with you, Dave. Uh, Dave, is that a Peloton behind you? No, it's a Schwinn IC4. It is the... It's the Schwinn equivalent, but it's just like half as much. Okay, nice. I was <laughs> going to ask you to give us a review, like a, a strength coach kind of review on the Peloton, but let's give us what's the strength <laughs> he coach. Had a post, he had a post not too long ago. I Peloton. did a post. Oh, okay. It, well, it, it, was, it was satirical, uh, mostly. <laughs> like the Peloton's a good, it's a good indoor trainer. Like what we have is awesome because it's half the price and you could potentially download the app. Um, but and you don't have to upgrade every few years, right? Because that's going to be part of it. Um, I like it. I, I I just do like a five to ten minute ride as a warm up every day. So yeah. it's it's a good bike, half the half the price, like eight hundred and fifty bucks or something like that. And it's really sturdy. 
That's awesome. So do you do you put your own bike on there, or does it come with a? It's own no, bike? it's it's just it's like a it's, it's a spin bike. bike. Oh, I see. Okay, I could, yep. couldn't quite tell. Yeah, I know. He's gonna get ready for Ragbri next year. He can uh, do Ragbri with you. Let's yeah, maybe I will. Dave, it was so much fun. We talked about this on this show already, so I don't want to go into it too much. But I, I loved it. It just, like I said, it checked all my boxes. I get to be outside. I get to be a little active, and I get like a goal that's like attainable every single day. And I get to drink some beer and eat some food. And so it's, it was a week of like, it was a kind of the, a perfect little. I don't even want to call it like it was almost a vacation. You know, it was. Ragbri is it's on my list for sure. And I think you hit on a lot of the things that I value too. Like task completion, mm. being outside, being with a lot of like I don't necessarily want to say a lot of other people, but it's 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 just a cool event. Yeah. Yeah. It's there's like, you know, I never really was a people watcher until like maybe the last few years of my life and Ragbri is like primo people watching. Like there's just everything to see and anything to see. And there's like bicycle envy. You're like, oh, look at that bike. That's so cool. And, you know, it just. Is that a Huffy? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad you said, because that's what I was going to say is uh, the people watching. Because that's really what I care. That's like why I like to go anywhere is like I don't really like loud places. Like I like concerts and stuff, but I don't want to be around tons and tons of people. Um, but I do enjoy watching people and just how interesting we are. State fair, man. That's really yeah. actually prime time. I agree. Yeah. That's, prime time. That's a good one. So Dave, what, um, what's new in the world of, uh, of Dave Haggerty since we've talked last? When did we talk? Was that beginning of summer? It was a pre brand change. If that maybe. Yeah, that's right. Off point. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's a great point. Yeah. I rebranded to uh, Strength and Kindness. Um, it's my online coaching brand, and uh, have taken my online stuff more professional, which is good. Um, I'm growing, and uh, I really enjoy it. I think it's how I think it's the future of definitely like therapy. Um, I think some people are always going to want in-person coaching, and I know I don't think that's ever going to go out of style. And some people are going to want in-person therapy for sure too. Um, but at least like doing stuff in hybrid where you see people in person every once in a while and then you see them or like, or they, they do their workouts and their training and you do more check-ins and video, video feedback and stuff like that is really cool. So I've grown that it's, uh, strength and kindness is the brand, um, that stems off of Drake's song one dance where he says strength and guidance a couple times. And I thought he was saying strength and kindness, uh, (laughs) So that ruled into my branding, but I, I like it. It's it it's me, in general. Like I value strength and I value kindness um, yeah. a lot. But kindness is hard uh, because mm. at some point you have to be a hard ass to people. Otherwise, they just take advantage of you. So <laughs> it's finding that balance. That is a good point. Like when you talk about um, like those are two like almost great pillars to kind of stand on and live your life on, right? But <clears throat> man, it it is like, and I don't even know, and I know what you're saying, like you don't have to be a hard ass or, but you kind of do at the same time just to kind of, I, um, I always used to think that like, where does like, so we're getting deep already. Right. But like, where does like, yeah, respect, this is what we do. Yeah. Where does like respect <laughs> stem from? Like, where does respect, you know, like a lot of people will respect somebody who kind of takes the high road all the time and develops like, like 
extra and additional kindness than maybe the situation even calls for. And it's probably even easier to live with yourself sometimes if that's the route you're, you're working towards. But like at some point you just have to like hold people accountable for whatever it is. And, and that's uh that is a thin line to walk, especially when you're in the situation like you are Dave, where you're kind of trying to, uh, and, and again, kudos for, for developing all of this. Cause I know it's a lot of work and you know, if, in 2021 if you're not trying to develop some sort of online presence presence you're you're probably behind the eight ball already but um what are some things that you do to kind of balance some of that kindness but with also like you know accountability when 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 you're in the position of a strength coach or you're in the position of or guiding or leading anybody that's a very good question i think it's um have you guys seen the? There's like a meme that's gone around the last couple of weeks, and it's like a 24 year old blonde, like you know, white fitness female, like saying 20. There's 20. Everyone has 24 hours a day in a day, and and then it's like, you know, say, she's saying that to a 40 year old mom of four who's got a job and taking care of four kids, and it's like, the standard. You know, yes, we all have 24 hours in a day, but uh, you everybody's got different agendas or different schedules and there's just so much going on. Um, so I mean, patience is well, patience and empathy for a lot of this stuff goes a long way. Like how I think about training. And I know it's how you two think about training is like, we're going to get something in on like a five day, like five days a week, we're going to do something right. And then like the other days we're going to exercise. Um, but a lot of people, like, if they got three training sessions in a week, you know, like, that's a huge win. And uh, so it's it's balancing that, like, you want to hold people accountable, but you have to know what they need to be held accountable to. Um, and then, like, figuring out a lot of what I've done in the last month, uh, I've kind of just, I sat back and assessed things, and I've been, people are just already overwhelmed with stuff they have to do. Um, and part of being a good coach is asking a lot of questions, but, uh, you got to like really refine that down to like, what are the two or three questions that are meaningful to people, um, to ultimately like figure out what they want so you can help them reach their goals. And that's tricky too. And I just basically, I try to touch base with everybody on a regular basis and like get a feel for the trajectory they're heading in. Um, and that really is like, that's what you, that's what coaching is. Like it's, there's kind of two facets of it. It's like figuring out what people really want and helping them achieve that. And then, uh, me giving, like me giving them the confidence that I have in their ability to do it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. we are, we are all our own like biggest critic. Like, and I know you two are also like this as well. It's like, we put, we put the most limits on ourselves. If any of us were like, if like Cody says that he wanted to f squat 500 pounds, which Cody says he doesn't want to do, but, uh, I would believe in his ability to do it. It might take him three or four years or five years or 10 mm -hmm. years, but I would believe in his ability to do it. But Cody wouldn't believe in his ability to do it. Right. right? So that it's irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to, I, I put this on a post a while ago and, um, on my Instagram, it's like good coaching is believing in someone long enough for them to start believing in themselves, right? And like, does that make sense to you guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
but that's hard and people are like well is that worth anything well that's worth a ton to me like if it means that i'm gonna actually like make my make progress and hit my goals so and i need feedback on that journey as well but it's it's tricky and online is a different like arena too so um we've all coached in person and had that like you get the instant feedback i think uh you mentioned this like multiple times ted like the you get that closed loop right Mm. like i say something to somebody they understand it they execute and then you know that it was successful right whereas when you're online it's like it's great because it allows some um self-exploration for lack of a better word right and uh but it's hard because i don't know if if my cue worked if um the feedback i'm giving is hitting right away um until a little bit later but that's one of the big challenges yeah what do you what do your check-ins look like for your online clients you said you know you try to check in with them at least once maybe twice a week you know navigating the trajectory a little bit what does that look like though in practice that's a great question. I it a lot of times looks like I hit people up on one of three things, which I have I use True Coach as like my online coaching like programming. Um, so there's a lot of like direct communication through the app, and then even in their workouts, they can there's like boxes that'll check like a soreness, how sore are you, right? How are you feeling mentally? That type of stuff that they mm-hmm. can hit zero to ten. Uh, if somebody's missed a few days of training, I go to text message or I hit them up on Instagram and just see what's going on, right? Like, I don't it's, I try to be, it's, it's not supposed to be judgmental at all. It's just like, how do we keep you on track? And, you know, a lot of us are um, plagued by paralysis by overanalysis. And some people are like, well, I can't get anything done. Why go spend 15 minutes, like, riding a bike? And sometimes I just need to nudge, be like, just go do something. You'll feel better. I guarantee it. Um, so what they look like is, uh, there's multiple things. I have like little work, like AK workouts in true coach that are like a questionnaire. Um, or it's just me saying like, Hey, how's it going? What can I help with? Or I have Google forms, um, that I will send somebody a quick, like fillable survey to just, I mean, communication is the biggest piece of it. Like the more I communicate with my coach, the better things typically go because I understand what he's trying to what he's programming for and the better my clients and athletes communicate with me, the better I know which direction we need to go in and how to help them. So, but that takes time and energy that it does. And that's what I try to relate to my remote clients is if you're not like communicating with me, like I need that bounce back, right? I'm going to, you know, toss you the ball, but you have to always give it back to me. So we can have this dialogue back and forth. If it's just kind of this obscure, you know, me sending you stuff and then, you're either checking the boxes or you're not, but you're not giving me any of the feedback, then this is going to be suboptimal. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. Like, I mean, look at everything in our lives is built on decreasing the energy it takes to do everything like smartphones, you know, bam, feedback loop instant. Uh, but the problem with that stuff is, uh, it's not, a lot of things don't actually help people get the progress that they want to make. Like the Peloton app is great. If you just want to like ride a bike five times a week and whatever, like great. Is that going to help you squat 315 pounds? If you, no, it's not. And a lot of people want to do that. They just don't know how to make the commitment or they don't know how to get there. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so we just, we always take, uh, we don't always, but a lot of us, we all do it. We take the easy path as often as possible. And even, even like I just did a workout, um, on my programming and <laughs> I was trying to type as minimal as possible, right. To report back to my coach on like how I was doing and, and whatnot. So right, I, it's just, it's a constant thing. Uh, I think what people value the most though is that their workouts are over time individualized to them and like a the things they like but also the things that are going to help them make progress mm. and then i'm super persistent so i'm going to try not to be an annoying turd right but i'm going to like check in with them if you miss three days in a row they know they're going to get like a call um you know so well, yeah, I mean, again, yeah, I think that's great. Like, that's kind of what you were saying and alluding to earlier. Like, hey, Dave, he uh, values strength and kindness, but like, that's the accountability side of things too. That you, you know, you wanted to to always kind of have and and have in your back pocket. And I think any good coach will will also offer that. Um, yeah, it's funny. You know, you said a lot of things there. I'm thinking about. Um, I'm definitely kind of in that bucket more of, you know, I always, I always was the, like, you know, I need to work out five times a week. I need to move five to six times a week. And, and now I'm closer to the three bucket. And it's, I, I was that same coach who I remember having specific conversations with people like, Hey, we need to work on some mobility issues. We need to do some things like to find 10 minutes out of the day. Like, it, you know, right before you go to bed maybe in between whatever it is, like even, I don't know. Right. And so you're trying to come up with scenarios and, and now I, I just am more understanding of what the real world actually is. Right. And Cody, we were over at Cody's place. Um, I don't know, maybe it was a month ago now or a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. And mm -hmm. Cody's got to kind of witness firsthand like how just busy, like my kids were and how, like, <laughs> like, I think we were there for maybe an hour, like my wife, my two kids and I, and, I think we broke maybe like three to four different things in his house in less than an hour. Like kids just like my kids just literally walk around and they're like, what can I just F up? You know, like that's like, like, oh, like what just happens if I pull on this <laughs> or pull and, this? Uh, like, you know, it's so, you know, you don't know that until you know that either. And, and I think, you know, a lot of it's kind of it's kind of broadened my horizon of perspective when I can kind of like, I don't know validate and understand people you know where they're coming from you know cody what uh so let's we we broke like a, a wind sock we mm -hmm. holiday had cody had this like little like action figure thing and holiday just ripped his arms, <laughs> <Pulled> his arms <laughs> off. And, uh, yeah it's like, like um oh, it was like one of those like that. soft i don't know one of my clients stress got it from me at like material. a yeah. stress ball like at a conference or something and they were giving away because they needed to so she gave it to me and it's like a guy like flexing, you know, I just keep it in the gym and she, she pulled the arms like a part. Girl just grabs it and just goes, poof. She, and she <laughs> felt really bad. Like she did. it's almost, it was almost like, not that I want to see a child feel bad, but like, it was so cute to see her yeah. like feel sorry <laughs> for doing exactly. it. She was remorseful. That, uh, yeah, it was, uh, so it was fine. We, yeah, I don't have a childproof house either. Yeah. We've, we've had to. We've had to always and constantly kind of address what exactly the definition of a childproof house is. It's probably but, true. It evolves. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's great, Dave. When you um, when you're working with clients and let's say uh, you supply programming to them, it sounds like, and let's just run through kind of what that process looks like, right? And so, for anybody who's out there and maybe listening to this, 
you know, they, they reach out to you. And I think maybe we had kind of done this before or maybe brought this up, but I can't remember if it was either on the podcast or just in conversation. What, uh, what is that process from, from, hey, I see that Dave offers a service to I am working with Dave? Yeah, so the first, the first step is to get on a, a phone call and talk a good amount about what people's goals are. Um, what they're currently doing, what they'd like to be doing, what they ideally look like and feel like in a six month to a year time frame. Um, and because a lot of this stuff is like emotionally driven, you know, and, and, um, and that's good. I, and frankly, that's what motivates people more than like the logical stuff that we as coaches can sometimes get into. So, I mean, I, I, understanding why people want to get stronger, want to get healthier. And I mean, everyone wants to get out of pain. Like anybody, I, I, it's easy to, one of the, the, the poor aspects of like physical therapy is that everybody who comes in to see you in like a clinic, like they're going to be in pain most likely. Um, but it's more about like the, what helps people get out of pain is looking at like the functional things and the things that matter to them and like building strength and capacity to do those things. Cause then you just care less, you get out of pain and you care less. Right. Um, so like, that's the first step is like a phone call, really trying to figure out what people want. And I also just assess if it's going to, if it feels like it's going to be a good working relationship. Um, and you know, I haven't really had a poor experience with anyone yet. Uh, but I think that matters because coaching is more, it's, it's a relationship for sure. And then, um, you know, based on what people have been doing and they want to do what they want to do, I program like a test week, which is typically something simple. Um, like, you know, a four day split or a three day split, depending on their training, uh, like what their schedule looks like and it's going to include like what does your squat pattern look like what does your deadlift pattern look like what is your um like a push like a press or like and pulling that type of stuff pretty simple big stuff and then i find ex like accessories based on what they have um from there it's just i honestly i program week to week i have a general idea like of what where i want them to go in four to four to six weeks right but um people's schedules are so variable and uh it doesn't for me i just i just had a one of my one of the like athletes that i have that i think is really gonna get good at like powerlifting. uh i ran a program like with her that i just kept going for like four weeks where or for another like it was ended up being a six week block instead of like deloading at week three because she just kept making progress right and we didn't have to change much she was lifting heavier every week. So that was sweet. That might not always happen, but you might as well take it while it's there. Right. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't overly beat up based on like, and all of the assessments and stuff that I do. So it, it varies with a lot of people. Like everybody's, I always think of it like as a, like it's a giant funnel, right? When we all start out, like we're all going to make progress. This is why like the first six months of CrossFit are really awesome for people is because like you're exposed to so much. You're going to make a lot of strength gains. You're going to make a lot of cardiovascular games, gains. But then it's like a lot of people do stop making progress in the class, right? They usually have to do some type of accessory work. They have to show up and do stuff that they're not good at. Um, 
so like that individualization starts to play out and um that's just it over time what happens is it just the programming gets built more and more specifically for who they are and what they want to do um and that's pretty cool for people because i think it keeps them interested um and you know it's like anything else uh you sell them a little bit of what they want and a lot of what they need right and for lack of a better word you kind of trick them into doing the stuff that's hard and they don't want to do uh by giving them a little bit of what they like to do and and then it's always just hey how do you how do you feel like with the trajectory we were going on is and what do you want to do uh the people that i have that want to do powerlifting meets uh because i basically kind of train two different groups general people who just want to be strong and fit and then people who want to do more like powerlifting-esque training uh to to compete uh the powerlifting like you're just always trying to make them stronger and add some weight Mm -hmm. to the bar um the generalized people it's like how do we keep you healthy and i mean you do this for both right but how do we make it fun and still get you stronger so yeah would you say like performance is a secondary goal for like the general health population i think like i i think okay this is this is one of the things that i've had to check myself because i think progress and performance is what makes it fun for me mm-hmm. but not everybody thinks that way um but i still do think performance drives a lot of the goals people have right sure, like sure if you're performing better, you're probably looking better. You have to have some objectivity to it. Yeah. To stay yep. consistent or even just do the thing. Yep. Yeah. And no. so, go ahead. Yeah, go no, ahead, Ted. If I could just jump in. I think you. this kind of is almost the full circle thing. You almost answered your own question earlier, too, you know, when you brought this up. Like, the goals are either going to be emotional or logical, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes in, and with both buckets that you've kind of presented like the performance-based athlete or the, the general health and wellness you know athlete like they both lean into the emotional right um, perspectives like the health and wellness person you know might be like hey i want to look better in my clothes i want to look better naked i want to whatever whatever i want to lose weight <clears throat> you know the the performance-based athlete hey i need these numbers i need to reach and attain these performance levels whatever they might be but there's also that logic that kind of comes into place with both of them too and so it's hard to um i guess what i'm saying is it's hard to address both um both goals because they are so similar right and they are so such in a place where you know your job as the coach is to bring it back to the logical stance where hey like and you mentioned too, like you deal with a lot of athletes that potentially are in pain or have had pain, right? You have the, the great PT background when it comes, and I think that sets you apart in this, in this industry, is we can address and work through this in a manner where, uh, you know, our goal is to show up to work out and have good workouts, right? And if we are in pain and we are not committed to the emotion of this workout, it's not going to be a good workout. And so we don't get to that logical point of whether, again, it's either person, you know, moving towards a performance level of numbers that we want to see and numbers we want to hit or like my clothes are fitting me better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think they, they, you're just always bouncing back and forth, right. Between like, uh, kind of the emotional, like, why are you doing this to, and then the logical, like, what do you have to do to reach your emotional goals? Right. Like, uh, 
because I do, I'm not a dietitian or anything like that. Let's be honest, though. Like, nutritional stuff is, like, the big basics. It, the, the stuff that actually matters to people is, like, are you eating enough protein? Are you understanding, like, how many calories you should take in to either improve better or to perform better or to lose weight, right? Because some people don't eat enough and then their performance sucks, right? Um, but, like, a lot of people are, they're... They're like, oh, I can't, I can't eat that much protein. And they're like, well, why? Why is it so hard? And I'm not, and you do that out of a kindness space, right? Yeah. Trying to be kind about it because their their programming mm-hmm. is like been like, oh man, I have to drink two more like protein shakes a day. That's crazy. Like, but is it that hard, right? And I think we've all gotten to the point where we're like, well, it's not that hard. But when we first probably started doing it, it was. And um, it's the same with anything else. Like, you know, somebody who doesn't love high volume like rdls but has a weak back or like you know that's like their back is their problem when they deadlift it's like well you need to do four sets of 15 rdls at like a heavy weight and that's gonna suck but it's ultimately gonna improve your performance and then you're also just like embracing something that's hard um so that's one of the things i mean i have like how my the guy that's coaching me um his name's neil kitzmiller he's a powerlifting coach and he programs much differently than me uh which is good because i it gets me an exposure to somebody who has different thought processes but also work it it works like i've gotten stronger um and it it, that's a good thing like it's like oh yeah like you don't have to just do it x way um Mm -hmm. there's so many ways to do things and ultimately it's it is like let's test things out and then have the confidence to pivot when we need to. Right. Um, but a lot of people that can scare a lot of people, people want to know what's going to happen in six weeks. Right. But we don't know. So you just have to be intelligent about the decisions you're making and understand that humans are humans. And that like, like you said, Ted, like when you have, uh, my brothers give me crap because, uh, I mean, they have kids and we don't have kids yet. And they're like, oh, you're in for a new awakening, you know, it's going to be crazy. Uh, And I'm sure it will be. But, like, people's lives are busy. And this stuff is super important, um, but it it can't detract from life, right? It has to add to life. Um, And that's that's tricky, but ultimately, if you you keep people on on track and moving the needle, they're going to hit, like, momentum at some point. And that's that's what you're really looking for is like when they get to that point where they're starting to see and pick up a bunch of momentum, then uh, I think that's what people ultimately want. And that's really that's a cool space to get to as like a coach. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, like everyone thinks they're busy. Yeah. You know, regardless of, you know, objectively, they're busy or not. And I don't know how to measure that. But if someone's already coming to you as, you know, a person or a professional for help they're at least willing to find space in that busy schedule and i like that idea of just that there's not like this one path to get to the end goal right and and even when i talk to my students about programming in my weight training class i'm like hey like i wish i could stand up here and say this is how you do it like i'm just gonna write a workout or a uh um i'm just gonna write a you know a sequence on the board here and this is you just plug and play and you're good to go for the rest of your life. That's not mm-hmm. how it works. You got to figure out kind of what works for you, what you're able to do consistently 
And maybe that is 15 minutes, you know, and if that's what you can fit in three times a week, great. Like, and we can start there. Hopefully that maybe grows over time. Maybe it doesn't, but it's still better than zero minutes at the end of the day as well. And I think even as a coach, and you probably agree with this too, is like Mm -hmm. helping your client like navigate where they're at in that kind of thing. Cause I think, and you might have found this, I know this to be true for me. I think clients come in thinking they can do more than what they're actually ready to be able to do. Yeah, And that's both in terms yeah. of like a physiological adaptation, but also even just within their daily lives, what they have the mental uh, space for. Do you think that's yeah. maybe pretty accurate with when you do like intakes? And for the 100%. record, I would throw myself into that too. Go ahead, Dave. But I, you know, I'm always like, oh, I can do this. I can make time. I can whatever, whatever. But yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Dave. No, I mean, <clears throat> you guys are both on it. Yeah, um, I think it's like, it's a Bill Gates quote, like people underestimate how or people overestimate oh, how much okay. they can do in a day, but they underestimate how much they can do in a year. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, but every, everybody are, and I do this and I, I'm obsessed with like trying to figure out like just the things that are going to move the needle for like my life and not doing more than that. But then I also want to add in stuff like, Oh, I want to go skateboarding. Like, you know, like I want to do stuff that's fun. Right. Um, but yeah, I think I have a, I have a client that's running a, a marathon and, um, we, when we did her intake, we were so, and she's also just super busy. She's a mom, super, super busy lady. Uh, we both were so audacious with like her, what her training template could look like. Um, and then <laughs> it just got like wrecked by her life. Right. And we were, and we were both excited because it's like, oh yeah, you, you know, we can, you can still strength train a couple times a week. You can run four days mm-hmm. and then like the, the shit hits the fan and you have to just like, okay, what's the best you can do right now? Yeah. What's right? minimum and, effective dose. Right. Yeah. And you yeah. as a coach get caught up into that excitement too, especially with a new client, you know, they're excited. So you're excited. Like, yeah, let's do this, you know, but then yeah. you kind of have a reality check somewhere. You know, even I, I think that's fine as a coach too, but I mean, I know the client will eventually have a reality check at some point as well. There's going to be a barrier, a sticking point somewhere. I have, t- I have noticed an incredible trend, which is that four to six weeks in working with everybody, like the first three to four weeks, super high energy, hitting all their workouts, things are going great. Five, week five or six, life sets in. Mm-hmm. and like the you know you dr- you drop in motivation even if we've changed the programming like we've done a little deload and stuff like just inevitably stuff happens and and i don't think that's forever but i think it's like the more most people don't train like me or you guys where it's like we have things generally mapped up we're gonna hit four training sessions that are like a week that are regimented most people don't do that. Most people are like, I'm going to get three days in a week. If I do that, that's great. Mm-hmm. And then they like, oh, to really see what they have to do to like reach their goals, it looks more like three structured days and like one day of cardio and maybe one more session, right? Three, to, like It's basically three to five training days, depending on schedule. And they're like, oh, yeah, super, super into it. And then, boom, life happens. There's a dip. And then people a lot of people are like oh man i'm failing and it's like you're not failing 
it's just this is life this is like riding the waves of training this is riding mm-hmm. the waves of everything um the only time you, you get, fail is when you like completely stop forever yeah. right yeah. it's okay to stop like if you need to there's gonna be situations where like okay let's stop and we could argue that they can always do something but for the sake of the client they might just have to stop but yeah. as long as they don't stop forever like then you yeah. never actually failed no 100 percent. i mean if yeah and most of us like that becomes like a mental programming thing like you know i think of this all the time i don't know if this is weird but it's like if when when babies start walking we don't we're not like oh stupid baby you're never gonna you're never gonna walk you know but they fail like constantly and then there's like a threshold where they 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 over they like it becomes more second nature and the energy to uh do the thing is less and i'm a chemistry nerd um it's called like activation energy. There's a there's a threshold potential that a lot of things have to go through for like a reaction to occur, and all of us have experienced this. Like you know, th- the first time we ever squatted two plates, it was hard. Probably unless maybe it wasn't. Maybe three plates or whatever. It was hard, and then like you do it enough, and it becomes easy. And then you're doing it for five. Then you're doing it for ten. Like that's everything in life. Um, but we typically meander around and it and things are hard so Mm -hmm. yeah um i wanted to touch on you know we're kind of wrapping up here i think experience is one of the best teachers would you agree dave yeah i would say it's probably the only teacher (laughs) (laughs) fair enough i know you've been kind of going through your own journey um with movements based off of your goals uh do you want to talk about that a little bit uh what do you mean so like your your meniscus oh yeah i mean i hurt my i think it's just my mcl so uh i don't have a whole lot of like catching or clicking i i hurt my knee at jujitsu it'll be two weeks ago on tuesday uh i was going against a guy who's a lot better than me who was like a good wrestler and i was kind of trying to wrestle out wrestle him and um I kind of planted, and he kind of came on the outside of my knee. Long story short, I hurt the inside of my knee, which is where your MCL, your medial collateral ligament is, and then that that attaches to your meniscus. It hurt. I, held, I felt a pop, uh, did not like that. I immediately went and rode a bike for like 10 minutes, came back in. I'm like, I shouldn't keep rolling. Uh, so it was pretty painful to walk for about a week, this last week it started to calm down the thing about it is if what happened would have happened what happened to me would have happened to a lot of other people they would have went to the emergency room Mm -hmm. probably been put in a splint and had an mri pretty this is what i wanted to touch on because i I appreciate the way you handled it yeah uh and i think that just comes from like you said yes like what am i going to do i'm I'm probably not going to have like the knee is still stable and uh, it's not overly painful, and I'm in it within a time frame that it's, you know, ligamentous injuries can can take, you know, you're looking at a minimum of four weeks to really feel good, unless, you know, like, it could feel better that then, but, like, a minimum of four weeks, depending on the level of sprain, to three months. Uh, so I've just stayed moving, um, and I just got done working out. I tested squats to a little bit below parallel didn't feel great but weren't it was it was okay um you know 
in my mind, and I understand how complicated a lot of this stuff can be, but it's like you just have to move mm-hmm. and don't be afraid of pain to some mm-hmm. extent um, and let your body do what it knows how to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's scary. Like, it hurt. I mean, I'm not going to lie. My wife was giving me crap because I was walking around and looking like uh, a gimp. And my my wife's also a therapist. And, uh, you know, she's like, it's going to, you need to treat yourself like you would treat somebody else, right? Uh, and I didn't necessarily do that. Um, but most of this stuff is hard because we don't know when it's going to feel better. And I've had numerous times in the last two weeks where I've been like, is this ever going to get better in my own brain, right? And the reality of it is is that it probably will. Like, I'm 99.9% sure that it will um, as long as I just keep doing what I'm doing. And don't make it worse by trying to push too fast and don't let it be a bigger problem than it is. So I think, like, the most important thing you said was, like, you're still moving, right? Yeah. You're not, you don't, you didn't go get crutches, you know, and I think even one of your posts was just like normalize, you know, your walk pattern, your gait pattern mm-hmm. as much as possible. I thought that was really important too for people to see because I think the first thing people do is they stop and they really try to not do anything with whatever they've injured. And I don't think that's like, unless it's like a, like a broken bone, right? Mm-hmm. Or something like that. That's yeah, usually the last thing you do. I like to use the most is like, how much non-threatening movement can I get into this injured area? Yeah. Right. Yep. And so this is, you know, I'm not the PT, Dave, you're the PT, but that's always kind of, so if anybody that listens to this regularly, Cody and I had a little friendly competition about, um, doing the Murph workout earlier this year. And I sprained my ankle like a week and a half before it. Right. And Murph has two miles of running. And I was like, ah, this kind of sucks, you know, whatever, whatever. But my goal was, was like, I only have one goal. I wanted to be able to at least jog on it here in about two weeks, right? And I had no idea if that was attainable. And I think it's even, maybe it's a Brene Brown thing. It's right. Just having the courage to kind of continue to put in the work and put in the effort when you don't know the results, right? And you don't know if you're going to, you know, be able to reap the rewards of anything, really. But um, so that that's one of my favorite terminology is just non-threatening movement, non-threatening movement. Like how much movement can we get to a specific area where we're not threatening it in any manner to, you know, risk injuring it worse. What I'll typically use for like a pain scale, like if a client's coming to me and like something is bothering them as it relates to pain, we usually have the conversation or kind of reiterate, you know, the pain scale of one to 10, if it's a four or less, and it doesn't increase during that particular exercise, then usually we're good to go. If it does increase, we're going to just try to find the next derivative of that exercise where it doesn't bother them like it did with that particular, you know, we're just trying to stay as close to or trying to do as possible while still managing that pain, not making it worse. Um, and going through as much range of motion as we can as well. Yep. I think both of those, both of those are super, um, important. I think Ted phrasing it as non-threatening movement is, yeah, like that. It's a very good way to, because what you're, what pain is on some level, this is a little bit of a simplification, but it is a threat detection system, right? It's telling you that, in my case, that the tissue is sprained. Um, And then, like, going along with what Cody said is, like, there's a threshold where it's still okay, right? Like, Mm -hmm. to move. And uh, if it's not, if it's not increasing, you're, you're fine. Um, And a lot of times, like, we all know this, like, our first 20 squats 
uh, in a day feel like garbage, right? And I call those freebie feel, squats. I tell my yeah. clients, give me just like ten freebies air squats here. Let's just get them yeah. done. Yeah, because then shit. yeah, because then you start to feel a little bit better. Um, and the one thing that I think a lot about, and it maybe not with the, like an acute injury like what I've got going on, but especially with stuff that's a little bit more chronic, is that you need to load the tissue that is the issue. Um, that's that's like a not my. Uh, not my rhyme. I've stolen that from other people who are smarter than me. But, but like for this, for what I've got going on, it's like you know, what is a ligament? Well, a ligament is like kind of the outer edge of your range of motion. It's it's keeping you within a safe physiological range of motion, right? It's the protector on the outside, uh, on like the end range stuff. But it also is going to transfer force, you know, through your leg. Um, and so that's like why walking is painful and stuff like that is because I'm still I'm still doing I'm making the thing do what it's supposed to do, and in my mind and this is kind of I don't know I don't know if it makes sense or not but like I still want to make that thing do what it's supposed to do while I'm trying to let it heal right like I'm mm. making it do its job a little bit um, to like you said Ted like desensitize it um, because if I don't do that then it's still painful to walk three weeks later when I could be walking without pain. So, yeah. And the sooner we can move, even like if you're immobile, you have to mobilize something like the sooner you can move, the faster you're going to heal. Yep. Yeah. For various yep. reasons, there's certain physiological adaptations from that and responses that I couldn't art- articulate very well in this moment. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> no, I'm with you though. I, you know, I've dealt with, probably a number of different like little back injuries, you know, throughout the last 10 years or whatever. And, and so some of this is from my own, my own perspective, again, understanding that everybody is different, but, um, one of my favorite things, like when I'm coaching athletes and they might be dealing with a back injury is like, how much can we walk on it? Does it threaten it at all to walk? So like, again, mm. like how much can we continue to move in, in some manner? And I, and that's always usually for me, like when I've had back injuries and again, you know, prefacing this that, you know, no two back injuries are the same, like just get out and walk and walk and walk and walk and walk. And a lot of people that are coming to Dave and coming to Cody for, for programming and strength training, if they're dealing with pain, again, coming back to this, this topic of pain, it's, it's interesting and it's hard to say and hear from your coach who you're paying, you know, probably pretty, you know, decent money to, to tell me to walk. Like I, I can go walk. I don't need your perspective and your quote unquote expertise to tell me to walk. But again, that, that non-threatening movement is maybe the best thing for almost any injury. Well, I think so, the coach comes in too, is like, okay, what do I do after I'm done walking? It's a, a gap bridging. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Even from like, Dave, you might even um, have thought about this a lot too, is like bridging the gap from, okay, and here's like a joke from our weekend or last weekend when we had dinner, Dave and I, um, we're bridging the gap from, okay, Atletico says I'm done working with them. Now what, you know, how do I get back to what I was doing before? Like there's, there's not that bridge. So I think what Dave does and what I do, you know, as well is trying to bridge that gap in a lot of ways. There's two big points that I want to like, so you guys know what the most evidence-based exercise for pain is? No. Evidence-based, ex- go ahead and give it to us. Definitely back pain, but I'm pretty sure it's most like pain in general. Walking. Mm. Walking mm. programs. A, because they're easy to study, so there's a there's an sure. error in that. Per- but the more people move, like Ted says, the more non-threatening. The, and like, I mean, there's a... 
pain, and we've discussed this last time, pain is physical, cognitive, and emotional, right? There's three aspects to it. So there's the very much the tissue injury, right? Then there's the, the cognitive effects, which neurons that fire together, wire together, right? So when you're in pain, you're making connections in your brain. And then there's the emotional aspect of it was when you feel pain, it sucks and you don't want to have it anymore. And you start worrying about how long it's going to last. And all those things you have to let go, right? To some degree. And that's a little bit meta on Wu Wei, but walking is just great. I've, I walked 10,000 steps a day in September until I hurt my knee and I leaned out and, um, felt good. It was like meditation, right? I, I just, I lost like three pounds. I felt leaner, like, and walking is the only, like you're burning fat mostly when you walk, you know? Mm. So that's great. The next thing I wanted to say is, <laughs> excuse me. What people don't realize is that by interacting with like a good PT on the front end, right after they get injured or start to ex experience pain, if they heed our advice and walk more and relax and stay calm, we probably save them like $5,000 <laughs> because if it keeps you out of going to the emergency room potentially or worrying about like, cause what physicians are trained to do is look for is use the things that they have, which are MRIs and that type of thing, you know, Those imaging. Are their tools. That, yep. yeah, yeah, which aren't that great of tools to be completely honest for pain because it is so complicated. Like I know something was up with my knee. I don't need you. To, I don't need to go get an MRI at least right now, you know, mm. if it still hurts in three months, uh, I'm going to do Address one of two pain, things. Yeah. yeah. Because it's not going to kill me. And, um, you know, ligaments and tendons and that type of stuff heal. But the other big thing is like, I know that I have saved people from like lumbar surgeries because I've just explained to them the nature of what's going on and what they can actually do about it. And if they do it, they avoid, you know, like going down a road that isn't necessarily going to end well because you're searching for something that's not there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like hard pain, though. pain isn't a death sentence. You know, you're not your pain either. I think people get caught up in that of like, I'm just a person with back pain now. That's, this is who I am. And that's obviously going to perpetuate the pain in a lot of ways. And I think last time we had a podcast, we talked about that psychosomatic effect, um, in a lot of ways. So understanding that of like, okay, my name's Dave. But I'm not Dave with knee pain. I'm Dave, who's <laughs> mm -hmm. a strong, capable guy that can articulate a lot of these points better than Cody. And, you know, I'll get through the pain. Like, it's okay to have pain, but you're not your pain. And I think that's people have to start thinking about that and not being so reactive to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's an unfortunately, it's an unfortunately necessary aspect of life, right? Um, like, the whole narrative of being pain free is probably more damaging than it is good because people go looking for resolutions to little moans and groans that are just part of life and honestly they're just you as an organism like ted you're a dad you sleep less than you probably did before you know and you are just probably a little bit more stressed out would you say that you feel a little bit more groans, moans and groans on a daily basis? 1,000% yes. <laughs> and it's not that being a dad is hard, is bad. It's just like it's more stressful. It's you're sleeping less. Like you as an organism are under more stress. And so then you're going to feel the little things that you that are maybe always there, right? But 
you're a little bit more ooh. And then like if you do get a great night's sleep or you're away from your kids for a couple days, probably feel pretty freaking good. Um, which is that's like those are the examples that people don't realize. They they don't look at. They're like, oh yeah, it makes sense. Like when people go on vacations to somewhere they love, and do things that they enjoy, they don't give a shit about their pain. You know, mm-hmm. they don't. Yeah. So cool. I yeah, think that's a good a, place to wrap up. Yeah, unless you got great. a real, real good point here, Ted. I don't want to. I don't want you to. Nope, nope. No, oh. Ted, all I offer are circling back like storylines and stories. <laughs> I, you know, I have a. Um, so the quick story is, you know, to to piggyback off that thought is, you know, I've heard so many people be like, "Oh man, when I go to Mexico, I just sleep better." Or I just feel so much better. The sun is just so good. I just think I need that a little bit, right? And that's exactly kind of the point that Dave's trying to make is, right? Yeah, I'm sure it is great. Mexico or, you know, somewhere tropical, you know, is great. Well, you don't have the stress of your job. You don't have the stress of, you know, mowing your lawn or whatever, taking out the garbage. All those little things that, you know, aren't mm-hmm. aren't crazy additional stressors in your life, but they all do add up. And And I think it's just important to kind of understand and realize that you know again when it comes to like having the courage to continue to show up when you know that that you don't necessarily know the outcome like pain isn't the death sentence as you've, you said before dave like um and and even cody asked you earlier you know the greatest teacher is maybe experience and then to even like the next step is even failure right like you it's uh-huh. not as you're not a failure dave because your knee got hurt doing you know jujitsu but it was kind of a little step back and it was an experience and it was something that you probably learned. Hey, maybe, um, maybe I will I'll take this and I, I will really learn my lesson because I didn't get away with it. You know? Yeah. I'm Whatever definitely, I'm definitely going to go back to jujitsu with a different mentality, uh, which isn't bad. Like, but like I, the, what I think about what I was trying to do was like beyond my capacity. Right. And when you try to do stuff beyond your capacity, um, that's typically when you get hurt. Yeah, that's like so, how you can define every injury ever is yeah. something, even like getting hit by a car, that's beyond your capacity yeah. to not be yeah. injured from. You know what I mean? Yeah, and in the, the particular guy, yeah. Like, well, <laughs> good point. Yeah. But the particular guy I was going against, it's like, and I didn't know this. Pro- the hard part is like, I didn't know this until what happened happened. Right. Um, but that's a lot of things like you, we're, we don't uh, mm-hmm. the it's the unknown unknowns. Yeah. Right. Um, you don't know I will be say, in a car accident until you're in a car accident. Yeah. yeah. I will say that I think the fact that I am generally stronger than a lot of people um, probably and I will I have a little bit more knowledge about like the body. But I the fact that I'm generally stronger and in different condition than a lot of people probably kept my and I can't guarantee this but it's conjecture but probably kept me from getting a real jacked up knee based yeah, on what happened save assumption no yeah. no yeah i think it's even more than an assumption yeah i mean i think it's yeah i would be hard to argue against that Str- a way. stronger body it's gonna when it does break it's gonna not break as bad yeah, yeah. or it's gonna heal faster even right since you are healthier than you were you would have you know maybe someone else yeah. that the same thing could have happened to your rate of recovery is gonna be better yep because yeah. you have, well, that's even just like going back to normalizing the gait. Like your body's stronger, so you can normalize your gait more effectively than if your body was weaker, if you had the same thing happen. Theoretically. Right, theoretically, it's all theory, but, but yeah. But we have an alternate universe where Dave's weaker and didn't have a mustache yeah. and had the same injury. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can Bizarre, test it out. Dave. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Dave. Appreciate you taking the time to jump on with Cody and hey. I. It's always a pleasure. Always good BSing with you guys. Bam. All right. Practical Wellness Radio. That's Cody. I'm Ted. And that was Dave. Thanks for listening.